there if you'll stand in honor of God's Word. As we go through the text, <clears throat> you're there, say amen. All right, good, good, good. We're awake. Here we go. Verse 3 is where we'll pick up. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. The one who says He abides in Him ought Himself to walk in the same manner as He walked. Let's pray. Father God, I pray now that as we dig into Your Word, that God, we will understand what You would have us to learn today. Give us clarity and give us a heart to obey. In Jesus' name, Amen. The title of our sermon today is Obey Your Thirst. You may be seated. I'm sorry about that. Dale Hollowell's going to stay standing, boy. Praise hallelujah. <laughs> but anyway, it's Obey Your Thirst. And uh, hopefully today you will see that what you do in your life will show where you are at in your relationship with Christ, if you have one or if you don't. Because truly, what you, your heart and your priorities thirst after, that's what you're going to obey. If it's you yourself, if you are... Uh, or living off of your natural thinking, guess who you love? And guess who you thirst after? You and me. But if it's Christ that you seek, if it's Christ that you love, guess who you're going to obey? Christ. Okay, so having said that, here's a question for you. Actually, i got two, all right? And I need some participation in this, all right? And I've got my pen, all right? So let's do this, all right? Question number one is... How can you tell that you're a Christian? The way you treat others. Alright. What else? Your priorities. I'm trying to get off scripture on me, aren't you? Dealing with sin. Alright. What else? By your love. Alright. I heard somebody else over here. Huh? Your fruit. Okay. Alright. Anybody else? Change of life. Okay. Here's the thing. Because there seems to be this misunderstanding of what a Christian is. If you look on TV... You can define a Christian by, or maybe it's been in here. These are how, this is how mo many times Christianity is defined. Or to tell, give you assurance if you are a Christian. Well, I've prayed a prayer. I've walked down the aisle. I've gone to revival meetings. I've made some kind of pr uh, promise. I've passed some kind of class. I got dumped under some water. I attend church. Even when the church, when, every time the church doors are open, I'm there. I understand the gospel. I believe in Christ. But what's the problem with that? What's the problem with these issues? If we 
use those things in our lives to determine whether we are a Christian or not, what's wrong with that? Don? What's this mean? So that we all, it's all about me. It's all about what I'm doing, rather what has been done in Christ. Okay? And so what we're going to be talking about is obedience. Now, let me give you some background because it's been several weeks since we've been in 1 John. Okay? Chapter 1, verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 2, John is, is, is uh, talking about an issue of dealing with sin. He says uh, the whole book of 1 John, hello Lord, yes, uh, the whole book of 1 John is talking about, is talking to believers and, and helping us to understand who is the Lord, who, is, who you are, okay? See, our purpose statement is 1 John five thirteen, and we'll get there in just a little bit. And so what he wants us to know is whether we know or Christ, whether we know Christ or not. And it should be evident in the way that we live our lives. It should be governed by what governs our lives. And so there's this whole thing. Have you ever doubted your salvation as being a Christian? Like how how what would make you doubt your salvation? What would make you doubt whether you're a Christian or not? Feelings, okay. How so? I just don't feel saved. Has anybody ever been there? I know I have. Okay, what else? Your failures, how so? Like if you sin, right? You know, how, if, if I'm a child of God, how in the world can I sin, right? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I mean, this week I was like, Lee, you're such an idiot. Why in the world? You know, you've been saved, you've been redeemed, you've been bought from this. Why do you want to go back? You know, your quiet time this morning in Proverbs 27, it says that a dog will what? Return to his vomit. You know, and how, if I've been saved, how am I going to return to that? Well, there's an answer to that, and we'll get to that eventually. Maybe in three years. No, just kidding. But you see on TV, if you doubt, you know, the prosperity gospel, you name, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, doubt it, do without it, right? You know, you see that on TV, that if you are not living an a awesome life, then your faith is weak, and then you, you should doubt, you should... Um, question whether you're saved or not so is it okay to question yourself is it okay to doubt your salvation good answer because it's backed up scripturally in 2nd Corinthians 13 5 which is before us says test yourselves to see what if you are in the faith all right examine yourselves or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test and so we can know whether we have a relationship with Christ. 2 Peter 1.10 says this, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing for you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And then for our ultimate purpose verse of this book, 1 John 5.13, These things I have written to you so that, what? To you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So does God want you out there, well, I wonder if he, I'm his child or not. No, he gives us things that we can know, okay? And so that's what we're going to see today. You know, first thing is, how do you deal with sin? A lost person or somebody that does not know Jesus is going to try to cover up their sin. 
or just like, look at me, man, I can sin all I want, it's fine. They're going to try to brag on it. But a person that knows Christ, if you know Jesus Christ, you're going to recognize that you have sin. You're not going to try to cover up, but in fact, you're going to try to confront that and confess it to the Lord and get it right. That's the first sign if you're a believer or not. Now, the second sign or the second test that John gives us is talking about obedience. So we're going to talk about, you know, trust and obey, for there's no other way. Y'all didn't know I was going to start singing And so we're going to see today that we should obey the Lord Jesus out of gratitude for what he has done for us. Obedience is not a checklist, folks. And I think this is why many of us, we start, man, we're down in the, the dumps all the time. Because we rate ourselves, our walk with Christ, based on what we do, not on what he's already done. So the first thing we're going to see today is obedience pro, uh, provides certainty. It provides you assurance in your walk with Christ. Look at verse 3. It says, by this we know. Now, with this statement, this phrase, John is letting us know that he's changing the scene here. He's introducing a new section in his uh, letter to the, um, to, the, to the believers that he's writing to. Okay, And so this phrase that we can see is, is not by this we know. He's not saying by this we think, by this we hope. By this we wish, no, he says by this we know for certainty that we have a relationship with Christ. Now we see this phrase in certain other passages in 1 John, so let me just go through them quickly. They should be before you. 1 John 2, 3, which we see here, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments, correct? 1 John 2, 5, verse 5, it says, by this we know that we are in him, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in a manner as Jesus walked. 1 John 3, 24. It says, And the one who keeps his commands abide in him, and he in them. And we know this by... Uh, we, whoa, whoa. we know this by that. He abides in us, and the Spirit, what? The Spirit whom he has given us. 1 John 4, 6. Wow, it's just amazing how God continues to repetition here for us to see something. He knows God. We are from God. He knows God who listens to us. Who, he who is not from God does not listen to us. And so what we see here is several, and there's many more passages. What we see here is two things that we can see whether we're a believer in Christ or not. The first thing is how do we obey what Christ has, tell, has told us? It says listen, keep, or those who abide in what I have taught. It also says that where the Spirit of God lives within you. You know the sanctuary uh, uh, song that we just sang? What is the sanctuary? Is it this? No, it's not. The sanctuary is you and I, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is why it's so important for us to gather together. See, outside these walls or outside of this congregation, no, let me correct that because that's not right. Outside of our gathering together as believers in Christ, I'm still a sanctuary where God dwells, okay? And he still dwells in me. He's still dealing with me. But when we gather together, the word of God says that what? He's there in a special way. And what is that special way? We're family. It's a reunion, right? We're getting together every time, and we're trying to build each other up, edify each other in the word of God. It's a special time where we gather 
What does this word no mean, though? Not N-O, but K-N-O-W. What does it mean? Well, there's three definitions that we can see throughout Scripture as well as in our own dictionaries of what this is. Knowing facts on a subject, knowing about something, or knowing something to be the case. Like, I know, let's see, I know that, um, who can I pick on? I know Rob Wall loves to play softball. I know it. It's a fact. Amen? (laughs) I know that, okay? And then that's, I'm knowing, I I know certain facts about him. So I know something to be the case. That's one definition. I know that he loves softball. Now, here's the facts. I know facts about him. Rob, if he gets a hold of one, he's going to hit it out. All right? He's a big guy. I can try all I want. It ain't happening, you know, unless, unless he's right behind me swinging it or something. I don't know. I just know. So that's facts about him, right? I know that he's hit 20 home runs this season. Okay, you're not, look, you're, that, you, that was a lie. You didn't come out on that one, so what's up with that? Okay, and then, but here's another definition. This is what we're going to talk about is knowing him. I know Rob. I know him personally. We've hung out before. <laughs> Now, were you saying sorry for your, you know, you hanging out with me or for me hanging out with you? There's some clarification needed. So, but here's the thing. Because we base our Christian walk on knowing facts. Well, I know a lot about Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He died on the cross. He rose three days later. And I know he's, he's, he's the Lord and Savior. I know these things. But just because you know those facts about Jesus doesn't mean that you know Jesus. And sadly, the church today, us, we are holding too much on those facts. Now, should we know facts about Jesus? Yes, of course. But those facts come through knowing Him in a personal way. And they should lead us to Him. We have come to know Him it says the, know, the, the word know here, it means that we've come to know him in the past when we converted our life to him or we surrendered our life to him. We knew him, but that continues through this daily process of continuing to know him. There was one day when I did not know Sherry. And she's probably looking back and saying, Lord, take me back to that day. Right? <laughs> or some of y'all are saying that too, right? But... I knew her. I came to, I was introduced to her. I took out my hand and, uh, you know, the first uh, introduction, I was trying to shake her hand and maybe she was just so into looking into my eyes that she totally missed that I was putting my hand out and she never shook my hand. I was like, okay, <laughs> nice to meet you. That really happened. <laughs> you can ask her about it. But then what happened is we were introduced, right? And then there was something about each one of us that we wanted to get to know the other person. Yes, Sherry wanted to get to know me, all right? But what happened was, you know, I, had, I called her up, and we talked for several hours, and that just started a relationship between us. Has that relationship stopped? No. Do I know everything there is about Sherry? No, no. And even if we get to the end of our lives together, you know, we've been married for 100 years, there will be still things that I don't know about Sherry.
understand that obedience or obeying what Christ says is not about getting some kind of merit with Him. If we think that, what's wrong with that thinking? It's works, yes. It says Jesus plus. But is that what the Bible tells us? No. Is that what Scripture shows us? No. It's not. It says that we're saved by grace. Alright? We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? We've been redeemed by grace. But when we live, it continues. We live by grace. It doesn't change. It's already been done. There's nothing that you can do to please the Father outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It. Now here, you, you may say, well, that sounds weird, Brother Lee. Well, look, maybe this could be some comfort to you. Because there's many of you that you are relying on the way and the things that you do in your life to bring merit to God. And you're living lives of frustration in your life because you're finding that there's no way that you can live a life that's pleasing to God. So let's just go ahead and take that out. Let's just go ahead, man. Man, is that freeing? It should be. And that means that what, the reason why I obey is what? Out of gratitude or out of love. Out of appreciation of what Christ has done for me. Why do I do things for Sherry? It's because I love her. Look, parents, you know this very well. Do you love your child because they, they obey you? No. You love your child because they're your child. Now, you may not approve of what they do, but does that approval change your acceptance of them? It shouldn't. Because who gave you that child? What, what? Wait a minute. Can we say that again? Who gave you that child? So based on that, based on the gift that you've been given, you should rejoice. And you, and, and you would hope that your children would obey you. I mean, we're going through this right now. You know, my daughter's three, but she thinks she's 16, you know. And, and so I say, no, Elena, and guess what she does? She does it. And, and you know, and then, you know, we have to, you know, give her the right hand of fellowship, you know, on the backside. Amen? I mean, come on, y'all. PC. Look, I got Jeremiah. Turn to Jeremiah 31. He says, obey his commandments. Is he talking about the Ten Commandments? No, he's not. And here's where we'll see this. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. When you get there, say amen. I'm going to show you a change, okay? It says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers, the Ten Commandments, okay? In the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them. Okay, here we go, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with them, uh, with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying know the Lord for they will all know me 
from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So he's not talking about the Ten Commandments when he says, if we obey his commandments. That we, he says, if we know him, then we are going to what? Obey his commandments. Uh, what are the commandments then? It's what Jesus taught us. What did he see, teach us? Well, look, he teaches us in Matthew 22, verse 37. And he says what? Love the Lord your God. Keep going, Jimmy. Okay, what else? Matthew 28. And Jesus uh, came up and spoke to them and saying, All, what? Authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, baptizing, <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father. The what? The what? Keep going. Okay, so these sum up. Basically, you can look at the Ten Commandments, and these two commandments that the Lord gives us sums that up. All right? And so what he's saying is, in order to obey the Lord and what he's given us in his word, you have to have what? The law within you. The law is his spirit. The Holy Spirit, he comes and dwells when you, when you surrender your life to Christ. And some of you have, and some of you haven't. When you surrender your life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. You become the sanctuary of God where he dwells and he's starting to clean you out from the inside out. All right? And that, that's the only way that you can obey the law, obey his commandments. And look, when it says to keep, here's an interesting word for you. It means to guard as a treasure. Now, how many of you have safes in your home? All right? You've got some very important stuff in those safes, don't you? How many of you love your children that you're, whether to, you're willing to die for them? Yeah, I will. How many of you have people in your life that you're willing to go the extra mile for? You treasure those things. Okay? And so that's the same word, that's the same what he's trying to get here. He says, look, if you love Christ, then you're going to treasure his word, treasure his commandments. You're going to treasure what he says. You're going to not only hide it within your heart so that you may not sin against him, but you're going to show other people because you treasure him. Now, look, this happened with me. When I proposed to Sherry, and she said yes, hallelujah, guess what? It didn't take long. I was living in a, um, we called it the El Barnio, because it was a little barn made into an apartment, and uh, it had the mice to prove it. Um, it was really cool. But anyway, uh, I was the only one living there, and so uh, that was the, my platform of, of proposing for Sherry, which didn't work out to my planning, but she still said yes, so amen to that. But... Uh, as soon as she said yes, I was like, woo, woo, woo. You know, there's a couple of cartoon characters that do that. And I ran out the door, and I went straight to my landlord, and I said, guess what? She said yes. Of course, he shook his head and said, oh, no. Yeah, but no, I was just kidding. But I told people, and that's going to be the same thing, right? If you're excited about Jesus and you appreciate who Jesus is, guess who you're going to tell? Everybody. And that's a part of obeying his commandments. That's, a part, that's what he's told us to do, to go tell, to make disciples, right? What are the motives? I wrote this this morning in Brotherhood because this uh, kind of struck me. Is why do, What are the motives for our obedience? 
Let's name them, because there's three. And, and you see it with your children, all right? I'm seeing it uh, with, with, in my relationship with my daughter and other people as well. Um, there's the first one is that I obey because I need to. If I don't obey, I'm going to get a whooping, right? Yeah, we look at God like that. If I don't obey, he's going to strike me down. He's going to be a whack-a-mole God. Flawed view of who God is. Okay, here's the second one. I obey because I need to. That if, as long as I, I do what my parents say, they're going to give me something. They're going to give me an allowance. They're going to give me a treat. We think of God that way. If I obey, God's going to give me something. He's going to answer my prayer. He's going to give, he's going to let me win the lottery. You know, he's going to give me that brand new truck as long as I obey. That's a flawed view of God. Y'all hear me? Or we could say that we obey because we love God. That we love Him. That we appreciate who He is and what, what He's done for us. So where are you at in, in your obedience to God? Why do you obey? Uh, there's John 14, uh, 21. Go to the next one. Because this is short. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone what? He will. Well, you think about that. Because look, here, here's what I don't want to happen this morning with y'all looking at me with uh, glazy eyes. Because we can say, we can all sit here and say, well, Brother Lee, I obey the Lord. I do this and I do that. But what we have to ask is, why do you do that? Let's evaluate that. Let's examine that. Why do you come to church, folks? Or why do you not come to church? Why is it that you get in the Word of God? Why do you do that? Or why is it that you don't get into the Word of God? Why is it that you pray? Or why is it that you don't pray? Why is it that you share Christ? Why is it that you don't share Christ? Let's examine these motives in our lives because God is about the heart. He's not about what the actions are because the actions ultimately show the heart. Look, guys, this should change our life. It really should. Because if you are relying on your relationship with God based on what you do and what you don't do, the truth may be and most likely will be is that you don't have a relationship with because the Pharisees did the same thing. They tried to do or to not do rather than basing a relationship with God, to know God that we saw in Jeremiah. And so, look, through obedience, we can have certainty that when I'm obeying the Lord and what His Word says, that can give me a sense of assurance that I know Christ, that I'm doing these things. And if I'm not, Obeying what the Word says, there's a good, a great, a definite indication that you don't know the Lord, that you don't have a relationship with the Lord. But also, obedience provides, or it, um, it produces continual growth. All right, look at verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commands, commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Look, here's what I want you to get. This. Profession that you know Christ does not mean possession that you have Christ. Just because you say you're a Christian does not mean you're a Christian. Just because I may tell you that I'm a mechanic doesn't mean that I'm a mechanic. Look, I want to go ahead and warn you. Don't ever ask me to fix your car. Can't do it. Can't do it. Now, I may be able to weld you something up, but don't ask me to be a mechanic on your car. Don't ask me to, to come and plant 
plant, too. Man, this, this ain't no green thumb. It's the thumb of death. <laughs> you, know? you concur. What? what kind of evidence do you have? Oh, you're agreeing with me that you have the same. No, I'm just kidding. But the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments. John 14, 15 says this specifically from Jesus. It says, if you love me, you will. They are a liar and the truth is not him. Look at Titus 1, 16. They profess to know God. One more, there you go. They profess to know God, but by their deeds, they deny him being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. So what is this talking about? This is talking about people that are just saying, I, I love Jesus. Man, I'm a Christian. I've been in the church since I was born, even nine months before I was born. I've been dunked. I go to Sunday school. I teach Sunday school. I preach in the pulpit. Of course I know God. No, that may not be the case. Because just because you're doing something or not doing something does not mean that you know Christ. And I want us to all evaluate this. Examine this in our lives. And I'm praying that if we're doing that, guess who will show us? He will. Because does God want you, if you're lost, if you're truly lost and you think you're saved, does God want you to stay there? Here's the answer, no! He wants you to come to Him in repentance. So what problem is there examining ourselves? There's no problem at all. Because hopefully we will find where we stand with God. So should we question? Yeah, because look, Matthew 7, 21. I would hate for us to do this, guys. I would hate for us to stand before Christ and what this verse says. Not everyone who says to me, what? Lord, Lord, will what? Enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And then he goes on and he says that this guy comes before him and says, Lord, I've done all these things. And he says, what? Depart from me for what? I never knew you. Do you want to hear that? So shouldn't we examine ourselves every day? I may be a pastor. I still should examine myself. Myself. Every day. What should I line it up with? The word of God. Amen. Possession results in progression. Look at verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By, and, uh, perfected. And this means to come to completion. That when you love God and you do what he says in his word, that your love for him is being completed. It's being perfected as you continue to grow. It's going to continue to grow. The more that, hey, every day that I'm with Sherry, guess what? I love her more. I love her more today than I did yesterday. Men, wouldn't you say that? I hope you would say that to your brides. Now, ladies, amen, right? No, we, get, we got a little quiet on that one. Brother Lee. John Piper says this, that is, loving each other or keeping God's word perfects God's love in us, completing it to its intended purpose, which is to glorify him. So when you're doing what God says, your, your Heavenly Father, out of love, then what? You're bringing glory to God. And that's its intended purpose. That means that your love for Him is being perfected. Now, being perfected does not mean it stops. 
It means it's, it's happened and it's continuing as you know Christ. When you get to heaven, you're not going to know everything about God. In fact, you're going to spend eternity getting to know God. And isn't that good? That, that every day of eternity, now that sounds strange saying that, but every day of eternity, you're going to find something else new about God. Because He's God, and you're not, and you're never going to know everything about Him. And I'll say, woo-hoo! Hey, that's good. I'm glad I serve, a, I serve a God I can't completely understand. Because if I could completely understand God, guess who would be God? So why do you obey? And here's another way. By this we know, right? Verse 5. Obedience patterns a, patterns a Christ-like life. Look at verse 5, the end of verse 5. By this we know we are in Him. The one who says he abides in Him ought himself to walk in the same manner as He walked. Who is the He? Good answer. Jesus. Does your life look like Jesus? takers does your life look like Jesus does my life look like Jesus it should but it don't okay so what does that show us then there's work to be done <laughs> amen yours or something I mean come on there's work to be done so that means yeah I mean specifically me there's a lot of work to be done here so what does that mean when we, when we are asked to deal with our sin? Because if we're not like Christ, that means that there's sin in our life. There's a reason why John started in the letter. He started with sin and dealing with sin. There's a reason why. Because you can't fully obey God if there's sin in your life. Okay? And so we, what we have to do is we have to deal with sin in our life so that we can get a clear picture of who our Father is and live in obedience to Him. So what? why is it that you obey? Let me ask this. When do you obey? You obey because mommy's looking at you? Do you obey only when other Christians are around? Do you obey only at church? Do you obey... Because you know the pastor will find out. Look, we're going through a transition in our life. But here's what shouldn't change with our church. Moving forward. Should never change. Because your obedience to Christ is not based on a man that stands in a pulpit. Can I get an amen on that? It's not based on me. Look, if you are basing your relationship on Christ and whether you're obeying him or based on me, hey, guess what? Stop and repent. Because you just made me an idol. And I am not worthy to be worshipped. Some of you have gotten there. You understand that about me. You say, hallelujah, brother Lee, we know. Thank you, Corey. Corey knows. <laughs> but why do you obey? When do you obey? Is he talking about a condition that you only obey when? No. He says, always. And that's what shows your love to Christ. 
Are you just a talker or are you a walker? By this we know that we are in Him. If we walk as He has walked. And the word ought, when He says that we ought to walk just as Christ walked, what does that show us? That there's a standard that, that, that we are morally obligated to walk as Christ walked. Why? Let's think about that. Let's interject that into your mind. Let's, let's let you think about that. Why should you or why ought you walk as Christ walked? That should be our goal, but why? Okay, yes, but what has God done for you? Saved us from what? Ourselves. Do you realize that? Look, folks, if you're a child of God, do you realize what you've been rescued from? Look back. No, don't look behind you. Look back in your life. Think about what God has pulled you from, what God has saved you from. I don't mean all the little things, the drugs and alcohol, the living it up. I don't mean all those things. But think about this. Think about what, how God has rescued you from you and your thinking, which is always flawed, which is always leading down the wrong road, which is always, you know, uh, the Proverbs says that uh, uh, when we try to see, uh, make the way that we think, uh, it seems right in our own eyes. Some of us are still there. We think this whole Jesus thing is just like a little thing to do. It's just something to do. Why do you think the lost world doesn't want anything to do with Jesus? It's because they see it just as a checklist. Well, I did my good deed for the day. By the way, I can go home. God doesn't look at it that way. Dr. Aiken from Southeastern, he says uh, uh, with this passage and just the way he said it, I, I was going to bring it before you. He says, obedience is doing God's work God's way. Obedience is doing what God wants you to do, when God wants you to do it, where God wants you to do it, the way God wants you to do it. It's not based on your thinking. It's based on what God's word says. Children imitate their parents. Here's a little thing you can, you can see how your child, which, which parent the child uh, kind of goes after. Just ask your children to cross their arms. I cross my arms like my daddy does. I, I have a self-control issue like my daddy does. I have an anger problem just like somebody, one of my parents does. I, have, I do things, certain things that I can see it in my parents. Because I'm their child, and I was, I see how they've lived their life, and I was, I was brought up into that thinking. Who's your daddy? You know, is, is God the father, your father, or is Satan your father? The way that you live your life will show who your daddy is. And I think we all need to examine that. What's this thinking, what, what, what is behind this thinking that I'm doing? What, is, what are behind these motives that I'm doing? Why do I obey? Please examine that. Obey your thirst. Do you hunger after Christ or do you hunger after what you're about? Luke 6, 46 says this. And I think this is a scary verse in my, in my own life. It says, why 
Do you call me Lord? And do not do what I say. Why do I come to church and gather with my brothers and sisters? Because God's Word says to. And I want to be grateful for what He's done. Why do I get in His Word? Because His Word says so. And that's the only way I can know Him. And I want to know Him because I'm grateful for what He's done. Why do I go to Him in prayer? I want to, I need guidance. It's not God give me this, it's this and this and this. But it's God... Please give me guidance. Give me understanding. Why is it that I share Christ with other people? Because I'm grateful for what Christ has done for me, and I want to see the same thing happen in their life. I've got a lot of people that are lost in my life. That God has specifically placed me in their life to share Christ with. And guess who he's also done that with? You guys. There are people that you come in contact with every single day that I will probably never see in my life. And God's got you there to share Christ with them. Amen? Is that a burden? It shouldn't be. It's a privilege. Right? If you had the cure for cancer, guess what? Would you hold it in? Or would you give it out? Say, man, let's, let's get this done. Amen? There's something far greater than cancer. Parents, share it with your children. Children, share it with your parents. Share it with your coworkers, your classmates, your family members, your friends, those you used to hang out with, those you may have not seen in a while. Obedience shows whether you love Christ or not. So as we come to this time where we're going to open it up, you don't have to come down here. And I'm not here to manipulate you into making some decision you don't want to make. There's some of you here that you don't have a relationship with Christ. Just based on what we, what we say, what we've, we've seen in God's Word, obedience. And I would ask you to, to give your life to Christ because of what he's done you were born in sin so was I we all are that's what the scriptures say and because of that we don't measure up to God's standard of perfection but God demonstrates his own love towards us in this that while we were what Christ died for us so there is a way to give your life to him I don't mean just believing just to say to believe, but to surrender your life to Christ. Oh, Christian brother, oh, Christian sister, if there's sin in your life where you're not being obedient to God and dealing with it, guess what you need to do? You need to deal with it. Confess it as sin. Get it right with the Father so that He can pick you back up and start walking again in Christ. But if there's sin in your life and you're not dealing with it, guess what God's not going to do? He's not going to take you to the next step. That's just because he's still right there waiting for you to, to pick you up. But you have to confess that as sin and get right with him. 
So as Brother Keith comes up and as the piano is playing, we'll give you this time just to deal with it. I'll be up here and you can talk with me, but I'm nobody special. I just have God's Word. That's the only way I can, that's the only thing I can give you. So where are you at today? As we stand and bow our heads, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and then you'll have an opportunity to deal with some things in your life. Where are you at? Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for your Word. I thank you, God, that your Spirit is just so alive and and, uh, and dwelling within me as well as my brothers and sisters. And in that fact alone, I know that you're going to show us if there's something wrong in our lives that we need to get right with you. I pray that we'll do that. I thank you for, once again, for your word. And I pray that you'll just carry it out in our lives.